The Theonauts, episode 96. And now for something completely different. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello all you Theogenerates out there, I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the Theonauts. Hey David, how are you? I'm good, how's it going? Good, I'm trying to wake up man, it's too early for me on summer, I'm like zoning out, <laughs> it's hilarious, I got the morning stairs, I don't the know, morning I sta- stayed up too late the last morning night. morning stairs. Yeah, <laughs> do you ever get those? I don't know. Uh, all the time I just stare off. It's like, um, my mind a complete the movie blank. Office Space. <laughs> Yes. Where he's trying to explain his day. Right. Well, you see, I come in, and then I just kind of zone out. Right. So what do you mean? Well, it's where I look like I'm working, but I'm no, really not. Really I'm not. just staring at the computer screen. Yeah. That, how long does this go on? Oh, 15, 30 minutes. <laughs> now I want to go watch that movie. Again. <laughs> Michael Bolton. Is, do you listen to him? What's your name? I celebrate his entire library. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, things are uh, going good. How's the good. how are things going with the whole adoption process? Um we yesterday uh began doing the nursery. Awesome. And we have that pretty much filled out done until the baby comes, so that was really exciting and uh and you know, it's great. But uh everything's running smoothly. It's a waiting game now. Oh, so yeah. we're just waiting for the baby to be born because you can't do a home study. You can't do anything on a baby that's not born yet. Really? No. I didn't know that. So we have to wait for everything. We can take the baby home with us, but we can't. But she's just not going to be officially yours until, until... That's right. Wow. So, yeah. Imagine no the pressure. nerves there. Exactly. <laughs> we had this baby. We'd like to return her. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Anyway, so uh, yeah, it's cr- it's crazy, but you know, trusting in the Lord and uh, and knowing that it's gonna work out all right—that's the key. Awesomeness. So, how about you? How are you doing? Doing really good. About to go see the uh, grandkids. Yeah, yeah. Gonna go uh, spend the weekend in uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas. Ooh, that'll be fun. Yeah, so that'll be. I stayed at a haunted hotel in Hot Hot Springs, Arkansas. Did you really? Uh-huh. Did you see any poltergeist? I didn't. <laughs> you know, it just didn't haunt me. Oh. I don't know. It might have. I was asleep. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, wake up. Oh, man. <laughs> My ghost was bummed out. Anyways. Well, uh, awesome. Well, hey, you want to just dive on in? Let's do it. So last week's uh, Theonauts episode yes, uh, yes. on sin and the nature of sin, where it comes from, all that stuff, got me really thinking about practical advice for when you screw up. 
right? Yeah. So when you do when you do sin, what do you do? Exactly, and you know this can this is practical advice for sin, great and small. It's more practical advice for sin that that makes you feel on a level like you, you're not worth it, or you know maybe it's uh, maybe it's an affair, maybe it's a pornography problem, maybe it's cheating at work, something that has repercussions or whatever. And- exactly, maybe. You know, uh, yeah, um, you lose things because of it, or it's like you don't feel forgiven. Exactly, and uh, I think it's important in our in our culture, in our day and time, especially in America, where we put so much emphasis on in the church on perfection. Uh, you know, and trying to look like you don't have sin yeah. in your life. Yeah. That uh, it's important to remember that. You know, um, it's gonna be all right. So, uh, I came up with a list: five things to do when you blow it. Five things to do when you mess up, when you sin, when you're habitually sinning, when you're struggling with with something, one temptation or another. Um, these are the five things to do or to think. Okay. Whenever you blow it. Yeah, that sounds good. So uh, here we go. All right. Number one. Numero uno. Should it be a countdown like five, four, three, two, one? Or You know what? Let's do that. That sounds more fun, actually. Do you have them in the order of importance? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> so really, one can be five. Well. That's fine. Actually, I do have them in order. Yeah, in order of importance. I believe this is in order of importance. Okay. Because, yep, yep, it is. Okay. So, all right, number five. We'll go with number five first. Okay. Take every thought captive. Okay, which is bouncing right off of what we talked about. Exactly. Last week. So, we're going <laughs> back to when you pick yourself back up again, which mm-hmm. you will and you can, you need to remember to take every thought captive. Um, and I use the analogy that we used last week about... Um, sin beginning in the mind sin like being either being a baby right mm-hmm. or sin being a a seed planted in a field right and, and the idea is that what you do is you remove that seed before it comes to fruition right so we uh need to remember that that's just simple practical advice take every thought captive and the thoughts that you're dwelling on whether they're negative or positive they lead to one thing or another they either lead to sin or they lead to life right right so we need to remove the negative Mm -hmm. and plant the positive like we're cultivating a field yeah the idea is you know the farmer plows the field he gets rid of all the bad right He, he digs it up and then he fertilizes the field and then he plants the seed and gets rid of the weeds okay right right so that's Think of your mind as that idea, your heart. Or, Nip it in the bud. Nip it in the bud, exactly. <laughs> so there's not much to discuss on that one. If you want to know more about that, you should really go back and listen to our previous uh, podcast on, on sin itself. Right, on the conception of sin. The conception of sin. Episode 95. That's right. It begins in the mind. Uh, one scripture I just pulled out, and I, I don't even know if I pulled this out of context. I'm starting to think that I might have pulled this out of context a little bit. But Second Corinthians 10.5, Paul states that we need to take that we take every thought captive yeah. and place under the control No, that's of the same one we talked about last Yeah, and week. you know, it begins that passage with spiritual warfare. 
Right, right. right. The idea that you're not fighting flesh and blood, you're fighting against principalities, powers, rulers of this world. Um, uh, And I think C.S. Lewis gets it so perfect in screw tape letters. When you think of that, uh-huh. uh, because the idea is this this demon that's basically just whispering the lies in the minds of the believer, right? Right. And we have that going on on a daily basis. Well, and I don't think this is necessarily out of context because the warfare he's talking about here is not necessarily spiritual warfare between us and demons. Right. It's us with ourselves. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because so he because he says there in verse uh, three for we walk in the flesh we are not waging war according to the flesh uh, for our weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but but have divine power to destroy strongholds to destroy arguments and destroy lofty opinions raised against the knowledge of God and then it says to take every thought captive right uh, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. <laughs> So this isn't about punishing other people. This is about... Yourself. Yeah. So look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is in Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. So for even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which... So, I mean, he's he's just definitely talking about internal weaknesses. Right. That, he, that, that we are struggling with and, and that sort of thing. Absolutely. So, yeah, we, we just simply... Take every thought captive. That's that's pretty much the last step. So these were linear, but they were in importance too. Right. Right. Um, so when you get back up again, when you remove yourself out of the mire, right? Mm-hmm. When you when you dust yourself off, uh, when you your plane takes flight again. Yes. Take every thought captive. That's the key. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So that's five. Number four. Don't fall back into the pit. Now, this is an impossibility in a lot of ways, <laughs> but it was actually coming off number three. So we'll talk about number three, and then we'll go go to number four. Okay. Number three, learn as much as you can about why you failed. I think this is extremely important uh, for us as Christians, and something that's glanced over quite a lot in most of our churches, and I think in most of our sermons that we hear about sin, right? Now, I'm not preaching the gospel of sin management. Okay. But something that it seems like people are keen to say is basically, you're a sinner, so therefore you're going to sin, so just stop sinning, right? It's this idea. Stop it! Yeah, just stop it. And exactly, uh, there's this great video that, I forget his name. <laughs> Bob Newhart. Yeah, Bob Newhart made back in SNL days. Yeah, he was on SNL. Yeah, he was on SNL. He was, on he was SNL. a guest on SNL. That's right, he was a guest, and he played this therapist, right? So this lady walks into his therapist's office, and she says, okay, uh, I have this problem. He's like, all right, it's it's five dollars and a dollar for every minute after that five dollars, and it usually don't doesn't go over five minutes, or f- yeah, five five dollars for yeah five minutes. Mm-hmm. Says it usually doesn't go over five minutes, and she said, okay, it's you know kind of weird, and so he sits down and she tells him his problem, and he just simply says, okay, I'm gonna give you two words. You can memorize them, yeah. or you can when write I think, them down. She says, "When I think about being buried alive, it really gives me anxiety. I really, I really right. have I'm this afraid fear of, yeah, I have of being fear buried alive." 
And every time I think about it, it makes me nervous. Exactly. And so what does he do? He sits he sits her down and he just looks at her, he yells, Stop it. Yeah. Right? It's two words. <laughs> stop it. And that's it. So that's his therapy session. And I think we as Christians, <laughs> we have that stop it mentality. Right. We go, okay, so what I'm gonna do is just stop it, right? Right. Knock it off. Quit. And I think it goes much deeper than that. Um, I um, in fact, I went to therapy last year. <laughs> so I, is that what he did? It was like, yes, exactly. Stop it, or I'm going to bury you alive in a, <laughs> in a box. box. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what he did. No, uh, what was interesting is, is he he was completely different than that. And that's, that's what makes that funny, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, your sin is a result of who you've been trained to be in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. The way you act out in your sin. Now, sin is sin. Your sin may be different than my sin. My sin is different from other people's sin. But the way we act out in those is the way we've trained our minds and trained our thoughts to act out of those. So the idea is you have the trigger, right, which leads, and this is a thought or something you see, which leads to an emotional reaction, which leads to the action, right? And then it leads back to guilt, <laughs> and then that leads back to the trigger again. It's mm-hmm. this horrible circle right? most of the time. This is this is what I learned in therapy for myself, right? right? I, I had this trigger, which led to this and this and this and this, and a lot of it had to do with, and I'm opening up here for me, a lot of this had to do with being accepted or being looked at as a good person or um, having people <clears throat> like me, right? Right? That was my trigger for a lot of ways. And so whenever I felt like I was being, um, whenever I felt like I was either being judged or I felt like people didn't like me for some reason or I felt like I was less adequate in other people's eyes, I would search for that approval. Right, right. Okay? So... I learned this about myself, and it wasn't. And the the outcome is completely different from the trigger. Mm-hmm. It is a completely different thing, and so therefore, I would go to that outcome, and that outcome would give me guilt and uh, horrible feelings, and then I'd go back to the trigger again. Okay, so it's this, this terrible cycle. And the thing is, if we don't learn about why we're failing, if we don't learn what is causing us to feel this way to move us to this output right then there's less hope for us to stop doing that right and one of the ways that i think we we learn through our sin is we learn the effects of sin as well right so like we talked about earlier there may be repercussions to a sin and that's not necessarily a bad thing, even though it may be a bad thing to us. Like it might be something that is damaging right. to our our pride or our um, acceptance level. Or I mean, there's all these things that can happen whenever sin is exposed, and and all of a sudden there's this issue there. Right. Uh, one of the things that that I think of is um, in Hebrews when. The writer there is talking about um, how the Lord disciplines his sons. So uh, in Hebrews 12, verse 4, it says, In your struggle against sin, 
you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Hmm. He says, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Hmm. So your the, the 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 repercussions of sin aren't necessarily bad things because they teach us their reprimands from God and everybody does it everybody gets them right. they, I mean it's not like you can only hide your sin for so long before somebody or it's going to bite you right, right. And, the, and the longer you do that then the worse it's going to be right so um I think about some of the things here when he talks about discipline. If you look at the original Greek language, that same word also means training. So, for example, it's not just about getting a spanking like we think of discipline. <laughs> yeah, it's not just about that. It's we a, always think discipline's a bad thing, by the way. It's right. It's it's like being it's like being trained. So, for example, if you are on a football field and you're practicing, you're doing two a days. Two a days, horrible. No right. one wants to do two a days, right? Because right? you're in the middle of the summer, you're having to do this twice a day, and you haven't been doing anything for the past few right. couple of months. So you're out of shape. You're throwing up every day during practice. <laughs> but that is discipline. It's training to, yes. to prepare you for the battle, which is going to happen on the field Friday nights in right. September. Absolutely. So, so you're going through this trial, but you're doing it because you know this is going to strengthen and and prepare you and all that. And I think our the things that, that we learn from sin is the same thing. They're painful. They're sometimes they're a struggle and sometimes we don't like the, the taste of it. It makes us puke. Right. All these other things just like that training, but it's preparing us for the next battle. It's preparing us to actually step out onto the field exactly. and go again. And that's why, again, uh, the best way to go about this training is to learn why it is that you're, you're going to that thing. Yeah. What, what are the triggers? What's happening here? What, what is causing you for, to go from point A to point B? Knowledge is essential in winning the battle. Right. And if we're not studying why we're doing this certain thing or why, mm-hmm. we're, why you know, we're <clears throat> acting out, and usually... It's it's although the sin is completely different, your sin is different. My sin, my sins are different. It a lot of them actually go back to a lot of the same roots, right? Uh, for instance, uh, was counseling with a woman and um, she struggled with overeating, right? And so we went back to this overeating thing and we studied the root of it. And, okay, so where does this come from? And come to find out, when, when she was a child, she wasn't provided for mm. at all. And so she She's felt, overcompensating. Exactly. <clears throat> so what happens is, is that that feeling of insecurity not being provided for is uh, leads to this feeling of, I have it, I'm, I'm going to overcompensate for it, right? And, and devour it. Right. To get as much as I can. And so that's a, a that right there is a great picture of, you know, the thought leading to the action. Right. And so if we're able to to identify 
the thought, then we're able to conceal it. Or, right. You know, but as long as we are using it as training and as as a learning tool, yes. because you have to take it in uh, and move forward with it. So, right. in other words, this is not a way for you to justify your sin. Exactly. This is a not a, not a way for you to obfuscate your responsibility. Uh, for the sin, right? Like, for example, the the lady who's overeating can't say, "Well, it's mom and dad's fault." I have issues. Not my. <laughs> well, you've got you've got issues, and it's your fault. Exactly. Yeah, there might there might be a reason that has a seed back here with mom and dad, but but ultimately you're in control, right? Of your decisions, right? And that's what that's the reason I I led to point four. <clears throat> Don't fall back in okay, the pit. So because. You ready to jump back into point four? Yeah, point four. It's a natural thing whenever you're examining that thing to feel Mm self-pity, self-loathing, right? Mm -hmm. Which can also lead to acting out again. So going, you know, it's just my fault. I have this condition because this is the way I am. This is who, you know, my parents raised me to be. This is what I saw growing up. So this is just, you know, I have this excuse now that I can carry and I can just fall back into it anytime I want and go, well, it's just this thing that I, I have to deal with. And that's not the point of examining your sin. The point of examining your sin is to single it out so or single out the purposes so that you can kill it, right? Right. The idea is to to get the root alone. Not to so say, well, sorry, that this is the way I've been molded and there's nothing I can do about it. Right. Or God made me this way. Right. And well, you know what? God made all of us this yeah. way. We're all in a fallen nature. Right. And the whole God That's made me this way doesn't doesn't hold any water because my nature is to sin too. I mean, everyone's nature is exactly. It just, just happens in different ways, right? So, uh, so you can't like lean on it well and find a justification for it, yeah. Because all that's going to do is lead you back into right the sin practice. So you have to go in that with the purpose of uh, knowing that that your goal here is to identify the root so that you can change change the behavior of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So here's the idea, breaking the cycle. So I, I talked about the cycle thing, right? Right. right. So once you identify where, where it's coming from, the feelings, mm-hmm. say that I feel insecure, okay? Uh, somebody has said something that, that makes me feel like they don't like me or somebody's done something that makes me feel like uh, I'm not special or, you know, <laughs> I have to be special, you know? Right. So, well, me too. Right. So identify that thing, Right. And before it becomes to a different action, I break the cycle. Instead of pulling up the porn page, right, right, to to get my self gratification, what do I do? I I I stop it there, and then I I change the path. Mm-hmm. So instead of my behavior, which is normal to act out in the porn, I act out with scripture. Right, right. I right. replace it with something good. Yes, yeah, a change of direction. It's a change in direction, and that path leads to no self-loathing, leads to no hatred of of self, and 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 so and I don't repeat a the sense process. of accomplishment. Exactly that I've that I've actually you know let the spirit lead me, or I've let uh, I've been able to 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 get out of this, right. or or whatever. And there's one thing that I keep thinking about too <clears throat> in relation to this is this is so many things that people get. Uh, extremes about. And I was thinking about this, you know, you and I both posted something on Facebook 
and and, it, and it, <laughs> my no one really commented on my oh post of it, but but, but everybody jumped on yours like. <laughs> Like, this is not even godly. This is not the way Christ acts, and this is not what... Okay, <laughs> and basically what it was was Matt Chandler saying, guys need to man up yeah. and be the leaders of their home. Right. Okay? But how everyone took it was, uh, this is a works-based salvation thing. <laughs> what? So a call to being godly... Is works based. So okay. So this is where this is where it, the where that 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 extreme swing is. Right. And you can do the same thing with this. Right. You can be cheap, greasy grace and say, "Oh, we're saved by grace, and so we don't have to do anything." Right. But then, but that's not what the Bible teaches. Right. The Bible teaches it does teach some behavior modification. Now, the flip side of that is. If all you focus on is the behavior modification, you're missing the whole point because um, you can't get to God through behavior modification. No, you can't. That's right. the, the idea is our behavior changes because of the grace and because right. of our faith. So there's nothing wrong with calling people to strive to be godly and to strive to avoid sin. And to fight against sin, and to be better leaders, and to be better—all these, yeah—we're th- called to a high calling. It's in not, Christ. and it's not just a try harder, try harder, try harder. Works based, works based, works based. It's not the message. And if you're hearing that, you're only hearing a a portion of it. If that's the case, Paul's guilty of it. Yeah, Jesus Himself is guilty of yeah. it. And so when we say here, don't fall back into the pit. It's it the the. The, the idea is not uh, fall back in the pit, you're going to hell. That's not what we're saying. What we're right. saying is strive for more. That's the whole process of sanctification. Right. We, uh, sanctification is supposed to be bringing us closer as we live our Christian yeah. life to uh, what Christ is, even though we know we'll never actually reach that until we're glorified. Right. And, you know, you're jumping <laughs> a little bit to point one, which oh, I'll get sorry. to. Okay. This is fine. <laughs> But it's you're absolutely right. The the key here is understanding something, changing your mind, renewing your mind. Right. Right. So the, the scripture says emphatically, "You're a new creation." It says, "The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new." Right. Mm-hmm. You're a child of God. You're adopted into His kingdom. You are able to fight sin. Yes. God has given you the tools. It doesn't mean that that you have the ability to be sinless. That's right. But you have the ability to at least try. That's right. <laughs> you have the ability to do it. To to work and and to 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 weed out those sins. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect. There's no way that you can be. But the point here is again, establish <clears throat> a plan. Once you figure out that loop, establish a plan so that you don't fall back into that pit. I was reading in um my devotion this morning and this thing kind of jumped out at me too because I was reading about uh, Jesus <clears throat> the beginning of his ministry as he was getting ready to call his uh, disciples and right before he went to the, to, to Galilee um, it says in Matthew 4 it says from the time Jesus began to preach from that time Jesus began to preach mm. okay now this is before he has the disciples this is, right from the from that time he began to preach saying, this is what he's saying. Change your hearts and lives. 
because the kingdom of heaven is near. That's so good. That's yeah. the first thing Jesus is is recorded of teaching. This is before the Sermon on the Mount. This is before right. he gets all of the disciples and everything. And so it's That like, was his message. Now, does that mean that Jesus was was preaching uh works based salvation? No. <laughs> no. He's trying to get people to change their hearts. Right. He's trying to get people to change their lives. And that it, it and he's gonna lead throughout his ministry shows how that happens. Yeah. And a great example for me in Scripture would be the woman caught in adultery, right? They yeah, bring her... great. Bef- yeah. yeah, they bring her before or before him, and they're like, who should you know cast the stone? He says, anyone without sin cast the first stone. Right. They leave in order from oldest to youngest. And the reason I think that happens is because I think the old men had sinned more, Right. <laughs> Or at least they because were they've a, been older. Or at least they were a little wiser and understood what Jesus was yeah. saying quicker right. than the arrogant I, young I ones. This, I had this picture, <laughs> the more you live in life, the more sin you commit, right? right, right. So they, they definitely knew, yeah, I can't yeah, throw anything. Yeah. Right. The, those young bucks they're thinking, well, oh wait. Yeah, I screwed up. Okay. <laughs> well, right. But and then he picks her up out of the disgrace. Right. She looks into his eyes of love. And he says, I don't condemn you. Now, go and sin no more. Right. And and the flip side of that is, don't get so hung up on his statement of go and sin no more that you forget the grace he gave her. That's right. He did give her grace. He did stop the condemnation. Yes. But his charge was, it wasn't a condition. It It wasn't some condition on her salvation to say, well, if you do it again, I'm not going to be there for you. He, he doesn't say anything like that, but he says, look, I have given you your life. Now, respond to that. Right. That's the, that's the call. Absolutely. And I want, I, I've often thought about this. What happens when this woman, who obviously had a reputation for this type of thing, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, <laughs> how did the guys know that this woman was oh, right. an adulteress? I'm sure that there was, they were, yeah. She could have been a it's prostitute. Like that, that scene in the last movie we watched, what was that? Where they go to the Roman barracks, and he's like, anybody know Mary Magdalene? <laughs> Risen. Yeah. The movie Risen. The guys are like, yeah. Everybody <laughs> raises their hand. Yeah, we exactly. all know her. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so anyway, this woman had a reputation, obviously. So she goes back to her life after this event. Now stop and think about what runs through her head every time there is an opportunity hmm. to go back into this sin. She's got to be thinking about that event. Right. She's got to be thinking about the man who saved her life. Yeah. And that has to change you. Right. So and that so that it's a perfect picture of of regeneration and how we change our lives because of the grace that's given to us. Right. Okay. So Number two. Number two. Which I think is a major key. And I'm just going to read this for a little bit. All right. I wrote, I wrote something yeah, out. Yeah, we'll put all this on the show notes. Yeah. Um, on, the, on the website, on the blog. So number two is don't isolate. This is a major key to victory after the storm. Yet this point is so easily glanced over, and the opposite is sadly encouraged in our modern Christian culture. You will be afraid of judgment. And you have a right to be. It has been said that the church is the only institution that shoots its own wounded. Too often we forget Paul's 
admonition to bear one another's burdens in Galatians 6. Even more, we turn our church meetings into a hotbed of judgment, backbiting, slander, and gossip, so much so that they resemble the iconic scene from Monty Python's Holy <laughs> Grail where the villagers are hankering for which We found a witch! May we burn her! May we burn her! <laughs> but the Christian will I'm fail. I'm not a witch! I'm not a witch! <laughs> They dress me like this. What about the no- well? We did do the nose and, and the, the wall and the hat and the and hat. The hat. Right. Well, she's a witch. <laughs> okay, sorry. All right, but the Christian will fail in isolation. Will fail in isolation. The simple fact is that we need each other to thrive. Scripture points to this point, point so often. Proverbs tells us the man who isolates seeks his own desires. Proverbs eighteen. Mm. We read that two people are better uh, off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the other can reach out and help. But someone who fails alone is in real trouble. That's in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10. Uh, Find accountability that you can be open and honest with. This is a very important part of accountability and needs to be the main focus when picking someone to hold you accountable. You need to trust this person or persons with every detail of your struggle. That's a key, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one thing to say, well, I have accountability. It's another thing to be totally open and honest with that accountability. Right. To be revealing and to be, you know, I, I, uh, I think about yourself out. I think about, um, you know, we were in an accountability group uh, oh, here, yeah. here a while back. And I, remember. And, and I remember one of the guys had a list of things he would ask, you know, each of us yeah. at, at the end of each accountability uh, session. And the last question is, did you just lie to us? Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was great. Yeah. Because it's like a double whammy. I mean, it's like it really makes you stop and think about, well, yeah, I might have I might have yeah. left a few things out. Right. <laughs> and that's the whole point of accountability, right? Yeah. We yeah. whenever we have to confess our sins one to another, it it opens it up for help, number mm-hmm. one, right? We can help each other with that. It opens it up for Realizing that if I sin, if I commit this, I'm gonna have to go to my accountability and say, "Hey, I screwed up." Yeah, yep. and that's a that's a good thing. Um, I I have an accountability scripture that a lot of people don't look at as accountability for some reason. Okay, but for me, it's such an important one. First John one. Uh, it says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, we walk in darkness. Uh, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Mm-hmm. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. To me, that verse is all about accountability. Yeah. What it's saying is... Fellowship. Right. And... What what do you do when you walk in light? And I've said this before. When you're walking in light, you're revealing who you are. Whenever I, I want to hide my dirty house, I turn off the lights. Mm-hmm. I'm happy if it's a gloomy day because people can't see all the dust and the clutter that's that's covered up the... Uh, you know, the house. But if I really want to be real on a sunny day, I go throw up on the windows and I turn on all the lights and man, you can see how dirty I am. Right. Right. And that's what it means to be walking in the light. Yeah. So you're being transparent. Yes. That's the whole point. Transparency. And and the thing is, if we're all doing this. Oh, wow. Then, then it works. That's right. It, it, what happens is everyone's hiding it. Yeah. And so everyone's hiding it and acting like it's not there. 
while it's there. And so if one person breaks out and starts walking in the light, then you don't have the fellowship yet. Yeah. Because you've got one guy scared to death he's going to be judged by everybody else. And then you've got everybody else... um, Scared to death to be open. Judging so that they can not be pointing their finger at themselves, but somebody else. Exactly. And, and, And secretly coming apart on the inside. Yeah. And so, but if everybody is being transparent, right, then it all works because then it's not a judgment thing anymore. It's, Oh, wait a minute. You struggle with that too. Wow. <laughs> I've been like doing this alone. Right. Uh, you know, 80% of the U's in new, the new Testament, especially the ones that Jesus says are not singular. They're plural right. possessive, usually plural and plural possessive. Meaning y'all. Yeah. Right? Or in the King James vernacular. Ye. Ye. Yes. And that's not a coincidence. Right. This Christian walk is not to be lived in isolation. We, if, and it can't be. There's no way it can be. Right. Lived in isolation. If we are truly following Christ mm. and desiring to follow Christ, then we are going to need accountability. Right. We're going to need each other. The church needs each other. And man, it's, that's what it's all about. Exactly. Doing life together. Yeah. It's not about a group of people who see each other once a week <laughs> and sing a few songs together, Looking eat, a, nice. eat a piece of bread, yeah. drink a piece of, of, of grape juice. Wearing Sunday's vest. And then and then go home. <laughs> right. It's it's a it's about doing life together. Yeah. And it's so it's so disheartening whenever you see a lot of people that their closest friends aren't even the ones they go to church with. Right. What? I mean, why is it this way? Why is it that, okay, I've got my church family over here, but then I've got my real friends, and they're over here. It's because we've turned church into something we do instead of something we are. It's completely... it's, 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 It's a westernized culture idea. It's a corporation that we work for. Yeah, it's a corporation. Right, we fire the pastor. We have a board of directors, the deacons. Right. We have all this, all this, you know, corporate stuff, and it's just cold. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, sterilized. It's neatly packaged like our craft cheese. Yeah, the leader, the leaders don't see their the position as part of a family thing. They yeah. see it as a stepping stone in a career ladder. Yeah, you know of of where. Right. I need to be next. I'll work here until I get my uh, master divinity, and then I'm then I'll move on to I'm a bigger marketable. church. Yeah, and yeah, where I can get better pay or whatever. And it's just like a job. Yeah. At that point. Yeah, and so you know, I, I feel like the church is a whole in America has really let people down in this point, but that doesn't mean that you cannot find somebody that you can be open and honest with. Mm-hmm. And you can share your struggle with. Well, if you see something wrong, be the change. Yes, exactly. That's that's the, the, the calling. This is not for your pastor or teacher or whatever to fix. This is for you to fix. Yeah. You can be the change. You can be accountable without... You, you can lead from behind. Right. <laughs> that's so true. Absolutely. So. And And so we need to... Don't isolate. That's right. We need to not isolate. And... 
your natural tendency is to isolate. What do you do whenever you're sitting? You lock the doors, right? You hide, mm-hmm. hide from the public. You, you don't want anybody to see you. If right. you were doing that, you know, and that's was, part of the thrill. To exa- be honest, exactly. It's part of the thrill is I might get caught. Right. Yeah. In fact, that's what got me addicted to cigarettes when I was a kid. Really, that feeling that I might get caught. Yeah. Like, I had to hide it. It's right? a thrill. Change my breath. I'd do all this stuff. I, I was like MacGyver of cigarettes. It's pretty <laughs> crazy. And, you know, but once it's out there, once it's open, man, it's great. Um, yeah. <laughs> the uh, uh, Rob Bell tells a story about his kid who did something wrong, and he goes and he hides under the covers, right? And he's just shaking. He's so afraid. Of anybody finding him, mm-hmm. you know, and his dad just goes in there and he opens the cover and he's like, I love you, man. We're going to get through this. It's okay. Yeah. You know, be honest, be real. And that's what we have to do. We have to be honest. And so isolation is just uh, defeating. You can't do that. Okay. So we're up to number one, the big number one. Yeah. Number one is very simple. Remember, you can't blow it. Five things to do when you blow it. Number one, remember you can't blow it. Mm. If you are in Christ, you are positionally perfect. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit has life. The law of Spirit has set you free. Yeah. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> okay. For the, what was I saying? Uh, for the law of, of the, the spirit. spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 1 through 3. Um, Romans is Paul's theology book, right? Its purpose is to tell us that we can't hack it, and that's the reason that Christ died for us. When you first believed, you were indwelled with the Holy Spirit. You were set free from the damning penalty of sin. The grace that God extends to you through the sacrifice of his son covered your sins, past, present, and future. It was a total redemption. The truth is you cannot out-sin God's grace. So correct. You can't, it's, it's not about any level of perfection. Exactly. The point is you, yeah, you cannot blow it. When Christ, when God looks on you, he sees his son. Mm-hmm. He doesn't see the little sinner that you are because he can't look on sin. That's the reason he covered it with the blood of Christ. Right. And so we need to remember the very first thing we need to do is remember who we are in Christ because that gives us strength to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and go, you know, I'm not that person anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to push towards who I'm supposed to be in right, Christ. Right. I'm adopted son. So yeah, going back, this is the, the, you know, what were we talking about a while ago that there is this, there is this balance of understanding right. here that yes, there's nothing we can do. To work our way to God, the God's God's grace, God, the blood of Jesus covers that. But at the same time, that doesn't mean we're not responsible for anything, or that we have no obligation to God or to the grace that He's given us to change in some way. Right. And and so um, so yeah, it's it's not what we're saying in when, when we say stop sinning. It's not meaning or else you go to hell. It stops sinning because you've been given something greater, and that should mean something to you. Absolutely. That's good. And we're not advocating cheap grace here. That's not our focus. It's yes. not cheap grace. Well, what did what did Paul do? Immediately after 
There's a reason why yeah, Romans chapter six comes after Romans chapter three, four, and five. <laughs> right. So uh, he says in three, four, and five, three, you can't do anything. No, there's no one who does it right. There's right. no one who gets it perfect. Everyone's got everyone sins and everyone falls short. Chapter four, but you know, you've been positionally perfect. Exactly. That uh, without works, that that the the law had nothing to do with 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 you being right with God. And five is about how great that is, and how we find joy in it, and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Chapter six is: Does that mean we can just sin? Heck no. <laughs> in in the exact words, there uh, should we sin so that grace may abound? Certainly. And not. no, of course not. Yeah. And so six is about killing sin. And what's really funny yeah. is he reiterates. You're not a slave that. to it anymore. That's yeah. what he keeps saying. He, he keeps over saying, like, again. look, you've been freed. Yeah. Why don't you use the freedom yeah. that you've been given? And he and he talks about adoption, right? Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. talks about the fact that we've been adopted in the family. My father, who was a good father, uh, and so I learned a lot from him, mm-hmm. showed me that no matter what I did, I was still his son. Right. There was no disowning. Right. There was no get away from me. You're never going to be my son you anymore. You screw up one more time and you're out. That's right. That's not what it was. It was I. I love you, and so you're my son. Period, mm-hmm. and that's that's what a good father but is. Does that mean that he had no expectations for you? Oh, not at all. I <laughs> had big expectations, and when I messed up, there were penalties to pay for the messing up. Right. I had there were repercussions for my my slip ups, but that doesn't mean that he never loved me, or that doesn't mean that he wasn't there for me. I, one of my favorite quotes from him growing up is Jeremiah: "If you break the law." And they come and pick you up, I'm going to let them take you to jail. But I'm going to take my sleeping bag and I'm going to come right beside the jail cell and I'm going to camp out right beside you. <laughs> and that to me is a picture of God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's it. So, and, uh, you know, very similar thing for me. I, I guess it was a little harsher than that. <laughs> my dad was very much a disciplinarian. You know, sure. But, uh, I love my dad greatly, and if, and I trust me, I deserved every oh I bit know I know of you, the yeah. of the the discipline I received. <laughs> so um, my my mom and dad had this had this policy that if you get SWATs at school, of course this was back in the day when you could actually give yeah. people mm-hmm. SWATs at school, and it was a good thing. Okay. Yeah, it's still a good thing. It should be. But yeah. <laughs> so anyway, back in the day. That was the rule. If I got SWATs at school, I got twice as many when I got home. I had the exact same rule. So, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And it didn't matter. Yeah, he, he was like, if if the if the teacher saw fit that it was worth spanking you over, right? I'm gonna take. I'm gonna trust them, right? In that, and I'm going to double up on it. Of course, nowadays it's like, what are you doing touching my kid? Yeah. It's like, okay, well, man, we've gotten so far away from, yeah, sense and logic. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so, true. Um, so I remember distinctly when I was in junior high, I was sowing my oats, dude, like crazy. Sure. Because it was a new system and didn't have one teacher. I had all these teachers. Right. And so, man, my, my, my seventh grade year, I got like seven swats at school, like seven different times. I got, I got swats <laughs> at school. Yeah. And my dad was just wearing me out <laughs> when I got home, right? And but so much so that he came to the parent teacher things and was like, "All right, tell me what he's doing." Right. Because he's because I'm working him over. You <laughs> right. Know? 
And of course, the teacher explained. Sure. <laughs> Dad's like, okay, well, I'm just going to let you know that you have complete authority over my son. You can do whatever you need to do to him if he gets out of line. But just know that I am going to do double to, to add to that. <laughs> when he gets so, but anyway, that's great. Yeah. So, it, did that mean Dad didn't love me? Did that mean Dad was disowning me as a not at all? Because I grew because of that that right. discipline. Those he loves, he disciplines. Yes, and that's so true. You know, and you can take that to mean the swatting, or you can take that to mean. It's training. And swatting is training, by the way. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's training in righteousness. And mm-hmm. that, that's so good. We need to understand that. Um, it's it's a blessing in disguise, really. And so understand that you're a child of God. That's absolutely the key here. Mm-hmm. Understand that, that you are loved and that because you are loved, you love. And so... You're positionally perfect. Don't isolate. Strive for greatness. Understand why. Learn as much as you can about why you failed. Don't fall back whenever you're learning that, right? Mm-hmm. Take every thought captive. That's Those are the keys to stepping out of this. and, and to Breaking the cycle. That's right, breaking the cycle. That's it's so important. So, anyways, that's all we got, I awesome. think. And now, the news. All right, so there's been a huge controversy in the past several weeks, um, and it started with a letter from, well, it didn't start with, but it actually culminated with a letter from the president to all the school systems in America <laughs> about transgender students having yes. access. So the federal government says schools must grant transgender students access to restrooms according to their gender identity. The Obama, <laughs> yeah, I know. The Obama administration has issued a letter to education officials around the country outlining a policy regarding restroom access and transgender students. According to the Associated Press, the directive, which was written by officials at the Departments of Justice and Education, say that if a student's parent notifies the school that the student's gender identity differs, from the previous representations or records, then they should be given access to the restroom of of their special identity. The statement adds, as is consistently recognized in civil rights cases, the desires to accommodate others' discomfort cannot justify a policy that singles out the disadvantages of a particular class of students. So crazy that we've gotten to this place. I I agree. You know, I was uh, what was it like? Three We're one step ago? away from pedophilia. I'm telling you, that's we the, are. That's the next thing. It's gonna be a completely, you know, God made me to be a pedophile. Um, I love little children. They love me. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a consensual thing. Uh, it's coming. I'm telling you, it's coming. It is. It's scary. Um, but it's true. For me. Yeah, I watched the South Park episode three years ago. <laughs> I know, and th- they were they were making a comment then, and basically what happened was Cartman wanted to use the faculty restroom, <laughs> and so he told the principal that he was identified as a woman and couldn't go to the right, couldn't go to the guy's <laughs> bathroom anymore. So they made him his own special bathroom, and before long, I mean. Then Stan, you know, all these others jumped in on this. And the whole point of it is, 
okay, so we're going to accommodate this. We're going what are we going to accommodate next? What what's what's the point here? Mm-hmm. And, and it's so frustrating to me that they're mandating this for public schools and saying that you're going to lose your funding if you don't do this. Yeah. Well, I can I can tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be a surge in private school uh um population. Yeah. Uh because it, I, I don't know, but if if this is an actual law, then I don't think I want my kid going to a public school. Honestly. You know, I'm about to have a little girl. Mm. I don't I don't want her to to have to share a yeah, a, a well, bathroom. the flip side of that though is that your kids are exposed to all kinds of sin in school anyway. I mean, it's gonna be, it's gonna <laughs> it happen. It is, and and there's arguments. I get it. There's uh, there's arguments for homeschool in this, and then there's arguments for public school in this. Um, I'm I'm good with whatever decision people make for their family. So. You know, it's however the 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 parent is choosing to raise their child. Right. Um, so I know that you know, for example, um, Michael Hansen from FCC from um, uh, the GCT network, they homeschool, right. and, uh, and and are part of a big homeschool group. I got some really close friends here that that uh, that homeschooled their kids. We always sent our kids to public school. And I didn't really have a problem with it. That was um, me too, you know, because I was raised in a public school, and so there are good arguments for how much education they get, one way or the other, depending right. on who's doing the homeschool, who who's doing the the public school, because there's good on both. There's good public schools, and there's bad public schools, and there's good homeschools, and there's bad homeschools. Right. So it really is a personal thing, I believe. Yeah, but but here's my. <clears throat> my biggest problem, I don't know. I, I see the federal government overstepping their bounds right. in this way. And that's a... Well, it is a government entity. Your your public school is. State entity, not a federal government entity. True, it's a but state it's still government. government entity. And so the state... So what happens whenever the state makes the, the ruling? Well, then depending on the state. <laughs> because that's but what I I'm guarantee saying, you this... one thing, in Texas, that would not fly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a big advocate for yeah. state rules. Oh, here. I'm 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 good. Not not federal. And uh, you try to federally mandate junk like this and oh. Anyways, I'm going to I'm going to stop right okay, there. Okay, so no so, so off the soapbox. Yes, I I'll just I'll leave it at that. I just that's frustrating to me. Okay. Colostomy bags, that's the answer. Yes, colostomy bags. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I can't believe you even mentioned that. That's hilarious. Okay, next, next, we're, we're moving on here. Uh, this one's just as bad. This story: uh, a study finds that twenty-five percent of all pregnancies in the world, twenty-five percent of all pregnancies in the world now end in abortion. Wow, that's that that's seventy-five seventy-five percent end in birth, mm-hmm. right? Or death, you know, twenty five percent. That's that's a quarter out of our dollar. That's insane. The World Health Organization and the Gutmacher Institute 
have just revealed the results of a shocking new study found in the world 25% of all pregnancies now in abortion. The researchers, whose data was published in The Lancet, found an unexpected rise in the number of abortions taking place in recent years, from 50 million annually during the fourth year period from 1990 to 1994 to 56 million during the period between 2010 to 2014. Notably, the research found the highest number of abortions in Latin America were one in every three pregnancies. Wow. One in every three pregnancies. In Latin America, wow. Most significant raises in numbers across the world were in developing countries. Hmm. It's really interesting that it's Latin America that's one in three pregnancies when most of Latin America is Catholic. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder what the correlation is there. That's interesting. Because the, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that would be a strange yeah, um, odd thing. I would think more, I was thinking more uh, China, where there's a population yeah, problem. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. And, and they actually mandate the whole two-child two child law. Yeah. And, uh, of course, then I figured America played a large part of that too. Yeah. And, All right. I have a study that shows what the latest biblical research reveals about millennials. Oh, really? Yep. So what does the research have to say about millennials? Uh, and reading the Bible. Sorry. Oh, okay. Millennials and reading the Bible. I forgot <laughs> to put that in there. Do millennials read the Bible? Yes, surprisingly. <laughs> Overall, the generation is less likely to read or trust the Bible than any other. More than half, 55% of the Bible-neutral or Bible-skeptical our Bible neutral or Bible skeptical compared to 45% of teens, 51% of Gen Xers, and 40% of boomers, and 40% of elders. Christianity, uh, Christian youth who go to church and care of their family may know the Bible better than older Christians. They may know their Bible better, mm-hmm. right? Practicing millennials are more likely to believe the Bible came from God and read it multiple times a week than any other generation, 87%. According to a six-year American Bible Society and Barna Group study the Bible of Bible engagement in the United States. Cool. So those, those ones of the millennials that are actually reading their, their Bibles uh, have more faith in it and read it more than than the old times. Wow, that's a, that's interesting. Well, I think it's a it's a natural correlation. Uh, you know, once we weed out the ones that say that they're Christian, you know, we've always we've been a country that says that they're Christian, right. yet like eighty percent aren't really Christian. Never read their Bible, never do anything. Right, right. So now that we've those people have just gone to saying, hey, forget it, we're not going to put up with this you know, hoax anymore, we're really skeptical, we don't believe in this stuff, then the ones that actually believe in that, I believe, are healthier because of it. Mm. So they begin reading their Bibles more, they begin being more faithful, right? right. It's this whole correlation with when you're uh, persecuted, I think you're more fruitful. Yeah, well, that's kind of a... <laughs> I believe it's true. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. You can find this study at Christianity Today, but they have this whole uh, percentage of people who are Bible-engaged versus Bible-friendly versus Bible-neutral versus Bible-skeptic. Um, teens, 7% are Bible-engaged, and 23% are Bible-skeptic, right? And then the rest fall in the, in the middle there. And then you have... Practicing Christian teens, nineteen percent, two percent, non-practicing. 
So do you see the difference there? Yeah. Whereas you have practicing elders. So the elders, 25% are Bible engaged and 18% are uh, Bible skeptic. And then you have 40% are practicing Christian elders and 3%. I wonder what their um, demographic I don't know. Was that where they got the numbers? Americans of all ages, it says, basically. Yeah, but they so, poll people to get Yeah, they must have done this huge poll. <clears throat> Barna group. You know what Barna does. Yeah. So, pretty interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. <laughs> I have one more that comes from Scotland, and it's kind of funny. Kirk to introduce online baptism and bid to boost membership. Okay. I saw, From the church in Scotland. I saw, I saw that on and they're serious social about media. It. What in the world? I thought it was a Babylon Bee thing. Yeah, this was not a Babylon. <laughs> this is an actual article. The Church of online Scotland. Online baptism. That's right. Is right, putting that? forth an idea of doing online sacraments. So just not, not only baptism, but then... Communion. Communion. Okay. That's it. Those two. That's their sacraments. So they're saying that basically with the largest audience of uh, being online now, that we're going to go the way of the Americans who have been putting their sermons and stuff, and we're going to do some... We're, we're going to go gonna a step further. Figure out how to you do online. You can get baptized online. That's right. There's an app for that. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, it's, they're set to introduce online baptism. In the I don't even know how that is... <laughs> Functional. I mean, what are they? What are they saying? Uh, they don't know how it's functional. They're trying to figure out how it would be functional. So right now they're just saying they're thinking about it. Probably going to do it. Weird. Yeah. Okay. So is that you have your app and it takes a selfie of you in the water? Then you go down, <laughs> at least selfie again. I don't know. So then or it's not online. Or, actually, yeah. you're just doing it and, and recording or it. Recording it, <laughs> but you're not being baptized by anybody unless they're like. You know, you're FaceTiming somebody. They're like, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, go down. All right, <laughs> now, now, down. now. No, further. Further. <laughs> All the way down. No, 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 no. Full I, immersion. You didn't hear me. Your ears were under the water. You're, <laughs> yeah, that's whatever. So anyways, yeah, I, I just think that's a very interesting thing. Okay, so that's all I got. Um, I do have Today in Church History, if you want to do that. Oh, really? Yeah, hopping our TARDIS. Yeah. Fly back several thousand Everyone years. loves when we get into the TARDIS and take off. That's right. God or man, asks the Nicene Council. Ah. 312 The bishops. Nicenes. That's right. <laughs> Gathered in the center of the room on a throne to lay the four Gospels. The emperor himself, dressed in a purple gown and wearing a silver diadem, opened the council. It was he who called them together. That's not true. Uh, I <laughs> it's not true that they laid down the four Gospels either. Yeah, I know. I rejoice to see you here, <laughs> yet I should be more pleased to see unity and affection among you. The place was Nicaea on this day. Oh, 325 this is, AD. Yep, 325. It was May, May 20th, so not today, but... Close enough. Close enough. May 20th, 325 AD. Tomorrow. Yep. So pretty interesting. Wow. Go punch an Aryan tomorrow. <laughs> right in the face. <laughs> right in the face. Go punch a heretic. It's punch a heretic. Punch day. a heretic. Day. <laughs> she totally advertised that. <laughs> oh, it's a new t-shirt. T-shirt. 
You should do that. National Punch <laughs> a Heretic 20th Day. May 20th. May 20th. Punch a Heretic May 20th, 325 AD. <laughs> and then show, have a picture of Saint, Saint Nick Santa punching Claus. Arius. Bam. <laughs> That's awesome. Sweet. Yeah, we're totally doing that. <laughs> I have to have that shirt. Okay. <laughs> okay. I survived Punch a Heretic Day. That's right. Okay, so we want to do some trivia? Yeah, let's do it. Theo Trivia. Okay. Letters, numbers, and sequences? Yes, that is what I'm on. All right. Which of the four beasts in Daniel's dream was a lion, the first, second, third, or fourth? I am going to say the first. That would be correct, sir. And uh, the reason being because it was a representative. It was, no, it was a representation of Babylon. Yeah, Babylon. That's why I and said Babylon, Babylon was the first uh, nation in the lineage of the four beasts. Yeah, because you got Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. That's right. That's right. So where am I getting the four beasts as a representation of the four gospels? It's different beasts. The, that's the that's lion, from, that's the eagle, the exactly. ox, and the man. That's from um, Revelation. Revelation and from Ezekiel. Yes. And Isaiah's. Right. right. Okay. So. All right, Prophecy Nut, go ahead. What are you on? You on LNS? The same thing, yep. LGBT? Here's your LGBT question. All right. (laughs) Public (laughs) bathrooms for everyone, Kent. (laughs) How many times in total did the Israelites march around Jericho during their seven day siege at Jericho? I'm going to say 14. That was very close. It's 13, actually. Joshua 6. They marched around it seven times for seven days. No, once for... Once Once a day for for seven seven days, days, and then seven times on the last day. That sounds right. But the, it says 13 here. I had to look that up. Somebody doesn't do their math correctly. Yeah. Meredith, <laughs> go look check it, it out. <laughs> hey, fact checker. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay, so um, I am on... New Testament. New Testament. Whom did Jesus identify as the Elijah prophesied to come? Oh, that's easy. That's easy. I'm looking this up, by the way. John the Baptist. What are you doing? Yes, that's correct. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Hold on. Are you looking up uh, Joshua? Walk around the walls of Jericho once a day for six days. 
Oh. And on the seventh day, walker on the wall seven times. So you did miss it. Oh. But hey, that was a that was an honest mistake. Yeah. Who knows? Six. There's got to be some significance to that. No, there were seven days total that they laid siege. So once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, seven times. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, so it wasn't seven. It, yeah, that would have been okay. eight days if they would have done it the way that I Correct. said. Okay. Oh, man. All right, all right. All right, letters, numbers, and sequence so. again. I hate this one. I always mess this up. I always get it wrong. <laughs> okay, how many Marys... Stood near the cross when Jesus was crucified. Are you kidding? Yes. Oh, no, I'm not kidding. <laughs> Surely you must be kidding. I'm not. And stop calling me Shirley. <laughs> I'll call you Mary. <laughs> Two. One. Was there one? Five. Twenty. <laughs> Three. Who? <laughs> Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of Jesus, and Marie Antoinette. And I think Mary, the sister of Martha. Oh, God. I, I think. That's in John 19. I forgot all about her. Ugh, why do I always get the hard ones, David? <laughs> I think you rig them. I'll, I'll read it. I'll look it up here and see what it says. Um, it may not give us exactly. But standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother. And his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, <laughs> and Mary Magdalene. <laughs> yeah, because everybody remembers Mary, the wife of Clopas. <laughs> hey, the scriptures don't lie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh is, that it? is that everything we've got? I, I don't. Oh, you have a voicemail. Oh, yes. Let's definitely do that. It's going crazy here. Voicemail. I got voicemail and um, email. Awesome. So, first, let's do the voicemail. Are you ready? Yep. Hey, Theonauts. Um, this is Riley down at Theonaut Black School. Uh, just got listening. Just got done listening to uh, The Conception of Sin. So, great job with that. Um, I was just wanting to offer a few thoughts, though, on Meredith's voicemail, um, specifically the one talking about, um, like, the frustration of trying to interpret Scripture and getting it all right. Um, that's definitely been a big thing on my mind, um, being at the university and having a million different inter interpretations running around um, and getting to listen to all of those and evaluate all of those. Um, I think one thing that, that I've found to be helpful, um, and that's, giving me more peace about that is um, an interpretation, trying to let my my questions and my interests um, and the way I search for understanding be shaped by the text itself. Um, I think we can bring a million questions to a passage and ask, you know, what does it say about infant baptism? What does it say about communion? What does it say about all these topics that I'm concerned with? Um, but I think it can be really helpful if we will set those concerns aside and say, okay, what is Galatians trying to get across to me? What is Ephesians trying to get across to me? Um, and let the main thing be the main thing. Um, and let our questions um, and our concerns be driven by the passage. I think that's one thing that's really helpful to me. And we're not called to be perfect, but we're called to be faithful. And 
Um, if we're trying to find and submit to the core message of a passage, I think that's more important than getting all the um, extra details right. Um, anyway, that's just my two cents on that. Um, this is an awesome episode, guys, so um, catch you later. Bye. Awesomeness. Cool. So that's uh, that's great input. In other words, exegete. Yes, <laughs> not exegete. <laughs> so read the context. Because the, the the message is what's important. What is the message of the book? What is happening in the book? What's what's leading right. to it? But the thing is, we're always going to have these questions. Yeah. Oh, so does that mean I can now infant baptize or whatever? I mean, so you, then you have to. It's kind of a conundrum. Yeah. But uh, but I think that like like we said before, the. The surface area stuff, the the salvation, is spread across the bandwidth of that, and right. we, we can we can pick that up even even if we get mired into, you know, the details of doctrines and and <clears throat> and all that sort of stuff. That's the truth. But that's great advice, though, that we need to find out what the Bible is trying to say, and and not necessarily to us. What was he trying to say to the People that like say if it's a letter, right? Who was he trying to say to the Corinthians? Yeah, and then we have to decide. Okay, is his message to the Corinthian Corinthians a message to me? Is it the same? It, are there principles in there I can that are definitely coming to me? Are there principles that aren't? All that has to do with context. All of it has to do with That's with our right. exegesis of the actual passages of the Bible. Yeah, I I think I've said this before, but I you know I took a, a my degrees in in lit literature, and uh, and so you have to take lit lit theory and criticism, right? Mm-hmm, right. Um, Which and, also has to do with interpretation. Yes, it's pretty much all about interpretation, and uh, it's really interesting this whole trend that started leaving author intent, which is what for me that's that's interpretation. That's that's the correct way to interpret right, anything right. is uh, authorial intent. What was the purpose? What's what is he going for? What's the metaphor he's trying to put forth? Yeah. What's the what are the what's the symbolism that he's showing here? You know what? Why was he writing this? What was the context in which he was writing it? You don't go to Animal Farm and say, okay, well, I realize that he probably meant it as an allegory for totalitarianism. But, uh, you know, I just see it as a great, funny story about rabbits, yeah. you know, or pigs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't... Or I think it's I think it's a statement about how we should treat animals and not eat meat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it's a statement that all pigs are, you know, equal. <laughs> no, it, it was an allegory, and he meant it as an allegory, and he, he put forth serious symbolism to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote a book uh, during his time when it, he he was a literary uh, uh, theorist as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, that was his main job uh, at college. That's what he did for a living right. besides writing. Um, and he put forth a book uh, called The Abolition of Man. Mm-hmm. The whole premise of that is, you know, he was being taught in his school basically that we need to throw out author intent and we need to come in with audience reception 
So how do you receive it? What does it make you feel? What do you think about this? You know, right. what do you think it's saying? Because whatever it's saying to you, that's that's its intent, mm. right? Which is total baloney. <laughs> well, it, it is. It depends. Sometimes that can even be the author's intent. I don't, I don't think so about the scriptures. Right. But like from an artist standpoint. Sure. <clears throat> I took a lot of film classes whenever I was in college, right? Yeah. And so we we did take a lot of film theory, and um, there's a lot of symbolism in films. Sure. And there's a lot of society being echoed into there's political statements in films, even whenever they don't mean to be. Right. I mean, there is a lot of subconscious things that go into the telling of a story other than the initial intent yeah. of the author. And so like one of the things that we would study is what was going on in Germany in 1922 when the German filmmakers made the movie Nosferatu about a vampire. Right. And all of a sudden you start seeing anti-Semitism in it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, was this the intent of, uh, what was his name, Murnau, whenever he made Nosferatu? Probably not specifically. But maybe on a subconscious level. But on a subconscious level, yes. And so so there is that. Exactly. And that may be what C.S. Lewis is trying to... And that's his point. I, to, to say. For me, yeah. And it, it, <clears throat> but the Apostle Paul wasn't doing that for artistic value. No. he's He is... Giving admonition and instruction. It's completely <laughs> different. Different type of writing. That's right. Which goes into exegesis once more. You have to know your... Genre. Yeah, of what you're dealing with. Exactly. That's true. So, anyways, okay, cool. good, good comments, Riley. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, I got feedback from um, Philip. Yay. Yeah, he sent us a uh, an email. Okay, it says, "Hey guys, great show on biblical inerrancy. Thanks for doing it. I think many of us struggle to one extent or another with doubt and uncertainty. Part of the content, uh, part of a con- <laughs> part of a content life, is coming to grips with and becoming comfortable with." a degree of uncertainty. Some people reject God and the Bible entirely because they can't verify forensically seemingly every detail they encounter that is hard to believe in. The fallacy of that is they just seem to inevitably buy into a different belief system with its own uncertainties. I heard a quote years ago from Tom Skinner, former, former chaplain of the Washington Redskins. He said, I spent a long time trying to come to grips with my doubts when suddenly I realized I had better come to grips with what I believe. I have since moved from the agony of questions that I cannot answer to the reality of answers that I cannot escape. (laughs) And it's a wonderful relief. That's a great point. Yeah. This falls in line with Mark Twain's quote, it ain't the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It is the parts that I do understand. <laughs> I love Mark Twain. That's great. I appreciate Meredith's feedback. It was honest and real. Uh, maybe one day y'all could do a show on what you think about God dealing with us on the basis of our knowledge of him to whatever extent that is. It's fascinating to think of people in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, and consider that they did not have the whole scripture like we do. Mm. Romans 1 hits on this. And I'd like to hear you guys flesh it out a bit. Great job, guys. Philip. Awesome. Thank you, Philip, for your feedback. And man, I think you hit the nail on the head. I totally agree. Yeah, that, that's a, a, a great 
quote. We need to be focused on the parts that we understand because there's plenty That's there right. that that affects us and, <laughs> and deals with us. So, <laughs> all right. Well, are we ready to get out of here? Hey, let's do it. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world and to proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all of our shows. Visit our website at theonautpodcast.com for show outlines and notes. Also, please join us in praying for one another. You can anonymously confess sins and pray for each other at prayer.theonautpodcast.com. Which, speaking of that... uh, I just want to give an extra sh- uh, promo of that. We, we we still see a little traffic on it. Yeah. And there are people still putting prayer requests in and hard stuff yeah. that we really need to be praying for. Um, so please go to prayer.theonautspodcast.com and join in on praying for one another. And let's, right. let's hold one another accountable like we were talking about. Definitely. There are several ways to contact us and to leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com. Or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. Don't forget to leave us comments and rate us, as that helps our show reach a larger audience. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, thanks for being here, Jeremiah. Thank you, David. All right, God bless. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. This is your great